My name is Kirby Ferguson, and welcome to Copy This, the podcast about copyright. We all spend the early years of our lives copying, experimenting, and playing with stories. Whether it's making up Dora the Explorer adventures in the backyard, Hola, soy Dora. or dressing up as a Jedi for Halloween. It's time for the Jedi. And this habit doesn't just vanish as we get older. We still want to emulate and twist and alter our culture. For instance, take Fanworks. Bill Slifer here, I'm on the scene, and during the collapse of the mystery team, liar Fanworks are new creations based on old creations. They're often based on major franchises like Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Pokemon, or Harry Potter. I've decided to dedicate this fan art to one of my all-time favorite books, Harry Potter. But there's also countless fan works for smaller properties like Sense8, or Orphan Black, or the game Persona 5, or the manga series One Piece. Who are you dressed as today? I am dressed as Nami from One Piece! But that's still just the tip of the iceberg. There's also fan works for a vast array of micro-properties like podcasts, indie games, and webcomics. Now it can't have just been me, but when I was a little tiny closeted queer kid trying to figure out my stuff, I read a lot of webcomics because there's something about adding pictures to the words that make all of those feelings inside of you that much feelier. If you'd like a first-hand look at the world of fandom, just head to Comic-Con, which is happening right now as I record this. At Comic-Con, you'll see fans engaging with their favorite characters in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways. I'm standing here with, uh, what character are you? Most striking, perhaps, is cosplay, short for costumed play, where fans dress up as their favorite characters, sometimes with painstaking accuracy. Hey everyone, it's Lana Waffles, and I'm working on my Forsworn today. Most fan works are just made for fun, but they can also be more than that. Some are efforts to put characters into scenarios more relatable to fans' lives. This can mean altering characters' gender, race, sexual orientation, physical abilities, or any other feature. Fanworks are another demonstration of the creativity that fair use fosters around copyrighted works, adding depth and context to these creations and enriching our culture. Here to further discuss Fanworks is Betsy Rosenblatt, legal chair for the Organization for Transformative Works and intellectual property law professor. Betsy is also a devoted Sherlock Holmes fan and an annual attendee of Comic-Con. Betsy, welcome to the show. I am old. Please explain Fanworks to me. So Fanworks are new creative works based on existing media. And there's a very, very wide variety of Fanworks. People think of fan fiction first because it's existed for the longest, but fan art, fan games, fan films uh, have all also been around for a long time. Vids, which are uh, montages of images from media sources, often set to music, to tell a new story or highlight particular themes in the media, are also a popular form of fan work. Uh, cosplay, that's dressing up as or dressing up in a way that evokes a character from literature or media. Uh, GIFs, I think everybody has seen GIFs or memes that show a clip from a TV show or a movie or something with a, a heading or a saying under it, that kind of thing. Those are fan works. Translations of Hamlet into Klingon. Right? The, the range of fan works is vast. So what is the Organization for Transformative Works? What does it do and, and how did it come about? The OTW is a nonprofit organization run by and for fans to give access to and preserve the history of fan works and fan cultures. That's our little blurb. Uh, and 
we were founded in 2007. So this is our 10-year anniversary this year. Yeah. Uh, but we were founded in 2007 to respond to developments in sort of how the internet helped fuel and build fan culture, mm -hmm. but also allowed other people who didn't care about fan culture to exploit fans. Mm -hmm. uh, when commercial interests are in stake, uh, fan cultures are subject to whatever the commercial interests want. And so at that point, some fans got together and said, we need an archive of our own. We need an organization to support fans and fan cultures. So that was the formation of the OTW. How do you think the internet has impacted fandom? The internet has transformed fandom, completely transformed the way fans come together, form communities, communicate with each other. Fandom has existed for as long as media has existed. As soon as somebody drew a cave drawing, there were fans <laughs> of that cave drawing. Right. So fandom has been around forever. But fans had to rely on in-person meetings and mailing mm -hmm. lists and things like that. That's not true for young fans today because young fans today experience fandom from their first interactions with people on the internet. That sort of way of knowing that other people are passionate about what you're passionate about and building communities online is a complete transformation and, uh, and a really positive one because it helps people find themselves and figure out who they are and how they can find their voices and express themselves. And fandom, I should point out, is a predominantly female culture historically. Wow, interesting. Yeah, the... Early development of internet fandom mm -hmm. was uh, fueled by uh, tech-savvy women who were really looking for ways to find representation in media that the media wasn't giving them, mm -hmm. and to tell the stories that the media wasn't giving them. Comic-Con is now this gigantic, huge, vast thing. Why is it important for people who attend Comic-Con? Why do they need to know about copyright law and fair use and, and stuff like that? Why is that important now? Because copyright law is what makes the media that we all know and love profitable, and because fair use is what makes fandom possible. We need copyright to enable the growth of these publishing companies and studios who have fueled the larger and larger media projects that people adore. Mm -hmm. There are many, many objects of fandom that aren't created by corporate culture. Right. Indie comics are not created by corporate culture. Mm -hmm. You know, little web series are not created by corporate culture. But they rely on copyright law for profitability in many cases. If someone wants to make a profit from their work, copyright helps them do that. Yeah. At the same time, everything that we know and love builds on something that came before. Mm -hmm. And almost everything that happens at Comic-Con relies on fair use. Every yeah. time you take a picture of something and post it, you're engaging in fair use. Right. What role does Section 512 of the DMCA, of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, what role does that play in all of this? Well, you know those pictures that I was talking about that mm -hmm. people post on the internet? All of those are vulnerable 
right. to takedown notices. As a matter of fact, all fan works are vulnerable to takedown notices, not because they're infringing. By and large, fan works, particularly non-commercial fan works, are pretty clear-cut cases of fair use. Mm -hmm. But they're all vulnerable to being taken down by robots that don't right. know the difference between yeah. infringement and fair use. And in fact, robots are, are notoriously bad at being able to do the sort of nuanced qualitative analysis that the fair use analysis is. We like, as a creative culture, that the fair use analysis is flexible mm -hmm. and qualitative. It should be. It should be able to allow for flexible interpretation. Robots aren't good at that. They're getting, they're getting better. Mm -hmm. Machine learning is real. Mm -hmm. But it's actually really hard to program a computer to be able to know the difference between something that quotes to critique and something that quotes to pirate. The people who need and use fan works most are marginalized people. People who aren't getting the representation they want and need in the media. People who want to tell stories about themselves. People who want to explore things that the media isn't exploring. They use fan works to explore those things. But those same people who've been sort of pushed out of the central narratives of culture are also the people who are less likely to trust the system. They're the people who don't have the resources to litigate and who are going to be more afraid to send a counter notification saying, no, put my work back up. Mm -hmm. So the result is that the people who benefit most from making fan works are hurt most by illegitimate takedown notices. And how do you think that stricter rules would, would impact fans, things like notice and stay down or uh, mandatory content filtering? So basically automated ways of blocking content. Yeah, I hate the term notice and stay down, by right. the way, because notice and stay down is mandatory content filtering. And I, yeah. I think we should call it that. Right. So I think there are two ways that could be really, really damaging for fans. One is that it would just take away the platforms that fans use. Realistically, mm -hmm. needing to engage in mandatory content filtering would make it prohibitively difficult for lots of platforms that fans rely on to exist. The OTW is a small volunteer-run organization. We're not going to build code to filter things. Mm -hmm. It's even more important to us that that code be able to filter fair use from non-fair use. If Warner Brothers hasn't figured out how to do that, I assure you that our like five coding volunteers are not going to figure out how to do that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the other thing is Rebecca Tushnet said... Uh, something that that resonates a lot. If somebody has to ask permission before writing 500 words about Harry Potter, they will do something else. Yes. <laughs> you know, the person who uses a wheelchair, who doesn't see a lot of wheelchairs on TV, and so they write a fanfic about the X-Men and wheelchair users uh, with mutant powers. Right? It matters to them. Those things matter, and when you make it harder for those people to engage in those endeavors, you lose that self-building, you lose that skill building. That's an indirect 
impact, it's hard to measure. My thanks to Betsy for being on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Copy This.